At this time, it's our privilege and honor to turn this service over to Reverend Bobby Jackson. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. My earliest remembrance of Camden, I played football for Sumter High. used to be called Edmonds High. And we came over here, I think it was 1965, and played the Camden Bulldogs. I think the Bulldogs, is that right? And uh, that was our first game that year, I think, and we scored a touchdown. But it was called back. If I remember, Camden went on and won and was undefeated that year. And I think they were even unscored on that year, if I'm correct. That was my earliest remembrance of Camden. And I came here to this church uh, probably 20 years ago. I practiced pharmacy in Sumter for 10. Got out of pharmacy. I did not like pharmacy. Loved to hunt and fish. So pharmacy and fishing don't go well together. <laughs> and uh, came over here. Tim Williams was a pastor at that time. Tim and I went to uh, Southwestern Seminary together. And he invited me to come over one Saturday, I think. And I did a little series on witness training. That's the last time I've been by this church many times, heading on up towards Mac B and on up that way. But um, it is a pleasure to be back with you, and I appreciate the invitation to come and fill your pulpit this morning. Most of my time with the convention was spent primarily in two areas, and like I said, I, I retired about three years ago and or three and a half years ago and worked with them on contract for the last three years and my contract kind of ran out so I'm kind of footloose and fancy free. A lot of fishing, a lot of hunting <clears throat> but uh, also doing some pulpit supply and some interim stuff but um, in with my work with the convention was primarily in the area of men's ministry and personal evangelism. That's the reason I came here when Tim invited me to do some personal evangelism training. But um, so most of my messages when I was with the convention was focused primarily on men and encouraging them and challenging them. So my message this morning is primarily going to be focused to uh, you men. And so ladies, uh, you know, if you want to just kind of zone out, it's okay with me. Just, just think about where you're going to get your husband to take you, take you to dinner this afternoon at lunch or... Uh, Maybe why, where you might, uh, what you might do this afternoon. It's okay if you want to zone out. But please, please don't zone out too much. Like the pastor that I preached for one Sunday morning. Now, I'm not going to tell you who this pastor was or what church I was in. It was not in Camden, let me tell you that. But I went to preach at this church. This has been probably eight or ten years ago. And I got there. And usually when I come, it's usually the pastor's on vacation or he's not there. But this particular morning, the pastor was there. And um, he was there, and I uh, sitting right down in the front row there. And um, I got up to uh, preach my message and got about five minutes into the sermon. And I noticed this pastor was getting very sleepy. I mean, his head rolled back. And next thing I know, I hear some noise called snoring <laughs> come out of his pastor. And, you know, it, it, thank goodness this deacon from the back of the church came down and sat down behind that pastor and tapped him on the shoulder and woke him up. Well, 
probably about five minutes later, and I, don't, I hope my, my message wasn't that boring. He went to sleep again, started snoring again. Let me tell you something. It is tough to preach over a crying baby, but you tried over a snoring pastor. <laughs> it's tough. We got through and everything was fine. But, uh, but I came, ladies, what I, my point is, just, just don't get like that pastor. It's okay if you want to just zone out. We'll be fine. Let me describe to you a man that lives in Camden, South Carolina. He's a good old boy. We're going to call him Cliff. Cliff is a man's man. On the job, he's known as a go-getter and a very hard worker. He is well respected by his co-workers and by his friends. He loves his wife and he loves his children. He's a wonderful husband and a wonderful father. He loves also the outdoors. He's sitting in a deer stand this morning, hoping that a big buck's going to walk under his tree where his stand is. That's where he is. He loves the outdoors. He loves to hunt and fish. Something else he loves. He loves a cold beer and a dirty joke. But he hates going to church. If you were to ask Cliff why he does not like going to church, he'll say, well, it's boring, it's irrelevant, it's hypocritical. But you see, the real reason Cliff hates going to church is that he is practicing another religion. And that religion is called masculinity. Because you see, deep down in Cliff's heart, He wants to be a real man. And everything he does is to prove to the world that he's a real man. And deep down in his heart, he looks at church as a place only for women and children, but not really for men. How did a faith founded by a man and his 12 male disciples become so popular with women but anathema to millions of men. Jesus' strong leadership and blunt honesty mesmerized men. A five-minute sermon by Peter resulted in a conversion of 3,000 men. Today's church does not mesmerize men. It repels them by the millions How do we reach the cliffs of Camden? I got that idea and thought out of a book called Why Men Hate Going to Church. Why Men Hate Going to Church. If you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to one little verse over in Proverbs. It's going to kind of help us give it a little idea of how we can reach the cliffs of Camden, South Carolina. How are we going to reach this old boy? 
Proverbs 27, 17. Listen to this. It's a short little verse. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. It doesn't say as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens a woman. Or as iron sharpens iron, a woman sharpens a man. It says as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another man. How many of you know what this is? A pocket knife. Not real sharp. It'll cut you. I'd have a tough time skinning a buck with that knife. I'd have a tough time filleting a bass with that knife. But it'll still cut you. You see, the only way that that knife is going to get sharp, it's not going to get sharp if I'm trying to skin a buck or fillet a bass. The only way it's going to get sharp, the only way it's going to get razor sharp, it's got to rub up against something just as hard as a steel in that knife. Preferably a piece of another steel or a whetstone or a sharpening stone. And see, every time you rub that knife over that sharpening stone, little sparks start to fly. And you rub it back across over there hundreds, if not thousands of times, guess what? The blade in that knife gets razor sharp. gets so sharp that you can shave with it. And just as it is with the steel in this knife, rubbing up against something just as hard as the steel in that knife, just as it is with that, us men that are dull, that are rusty, we need to rub shoulders with some other men and come together in relaxed, non-threatening environments and let spiritual sparks start to fly and begin to get razor sharp just as this knife is. That's the key. Environment, climate, atmosphere to reach the cliffs of Camden, South Carolina. When I used to work at the Cyclone Baptist Convention... My office in the Cyclone Baptist Convention offices are located directly across the interstate from the zoo. If you ever go to the zoo, it's located on I-126 going into Columbia. Well, when I would leave my office in the afternoon and I would head home, I used to live up in uh, outside of Chapin, South Carolina, just moved to Lexington to get a little closer to the grandkids, you old Older ones my age know how that is. You got to get closer to the grandkids. But I lived up on up on uh, outside of Chapin. But when I'd head home, heading up I twenty six, going like you're going to Greenville and Spartanburg, I'd get to an exit called Harbison Boulevard. It's on the left hand side of the interstate. A lot of nice eating establishments there, right? If you want a hamburger, go to Russia's. If you want a steak, go to Outback. A Texas Roadhouse. If you want Mexican, go to Chili's. I mean, you got a lot of choices there. Now, they don't pay me to advertise for them, but I'm telling you, it's a great place to go get some good food. Also, on that side of the interstate, on that left-hand side of the interstate, there's a big shopping mall over there. Ladies, what's the name of that mall? I guarantee you one or two of you have been there. What's it called? What? Columbiana Mall. 
How many of you ladies like going there? All of you, I bet. But guess what? I hate going in that mall. I just don't like it. There's nothing in that mall that attracts me. Maybe the food court. Other than that, not for me. It's a female environment. All they got in there are clothes stores and shoe stores. Right? That's about it. And I don't need any more shoes, and I don't really need a whole lot more clothes. But let me see. If you back up an exit on the right-hand side of the interstate, at Piney Grove Road, there's a store over there called Sportsman's Warehouse. (laughs) It's a male environment. You walk in there, and you've got geese and ducks hanging from the ceiling. You've got deer all around the walls. You've got guns. You've got fishing stuff. You've got archery stuff. You name it. Everything in it for a man. I can go in there and spend all day long. I wish I had enough money to go in there and just, you know, I, I just go in and hang out. I feel like a man when I walk in there. One has the environment for men. The other one has the environment for women. And see, when you have a friend like old Cliff here, who doesn't like going to church, who maybe was never raised in church, doesn't understand what happens in church, when you live next door, and maybe he's in your hunt club, or maybe he's in your fishing club, or whatever, you might play golf with him, and you invite him to come to your church, and you inv- or you invite him to come to your Sunday school class, and he says, no, nah, I don't think so. What goes through his head, and what goes through his head when you invite him is the same thing that goes through your head when your wife or your girlfriend says, honey, let's go to the mall. I don't want to go. So how are we going to reach old Cliff? That's the question. Several years ago, I go to a church called Reverend Hills Baptist Church. We've relocated. We used to be on St. Andrews Road, which is about an exit above, up above, coming out of town. It's before you get to Harbison and Piney Grove. We were on St. Andrews Road. Our church was going pretty rapidly back then, and we bought two houses on the backside of our property. And I was walking out of the worship center that Sunday morning. It was a late August going into September. If your church is anything like our church, and when September rolls around, things change in church. New Sunday school classes starting up, new budgets coming to effect. Different things happen in September. I think that's because of our farming roots. Well, uh, I was walking out of the worship center that Sunday morning, late August, going into September. Brittany did make changes in Sunday school and all that. And uh, I was outside. We had a, 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 a kind of like a, a area outside. You could drink coffee and, and talk to people. And um, getting ready to go to my couple Sunday school class. I didn't teach the class. I just went. And uh, I was drinking my coffee, buying my, my own business, and up walked a fellow named Marvin. I didn't know Marvin that well. He, uh, I just, I knew where he worked and what he did. And I was talking to him. Out of the blue, I said, Marvin, what you going to do for Sunday school this coming new year? Remember, we're going to a new, cl- new, new Sunday school class. What you going to do? Well, Marvin sticks his hand in his pocket and he thinks for a minute. Now, that's unusual for Marvin. Usually his mouth kicks in before his mind kicks in. You know people like that. Well, Marvin just thought for a minute, and then he looked back up at me, and this is what he said. He said, Bobby, I don't know what I'm going to do for Sunday school this coming New Year, but I'm going to tell you what I'm not going to do. 
I said, well, what's that? What, you, what is that, Marvin? He said, I'm not going back into that couple's Sunday school class. I said, why not? He said, because I can't be myself. I can't relax in there. I can't really say what I want to say in there. He said, matter of fact, whenever I open my wife, mouth up, my wife is punching me inside telling me to shut up. He said, I think I'm just going to go down here to Bojangles and hang out down there. On, there's such, I can, at least I can be myself down there. I said, well, Marvin, let's come up with a little better plan than that. So what Marvin and I did, like I said, our house had, had just bought some houses, two houses on the back side of our property. One house was where all the youth met. The other house was basically a storage house for all the stuff the church collected during the year, primarily in the form of styrofoam. You know, churches collect a lot of styrofoam, vacation Bible school props, Christmas props, Easter props. Well, all that stuff was in that house. The house was full of styrofoam. So Marvin and I went into that house, cleaned the living, the living room out of styrofoam, and we decorated that living room just as if you're walking into a sportsman's warehouse or a Bass Pro Shop or a Cabela's. Deer heads on the wall. My two big 10-pound bass that I caught out of Santee Cooper years before that, hanging on the wall. Duck pictures on the wall. Sofas and recliners. Now, our sofas and recliners were not brand new. They're the kind you pick up on the side of the street when somebody throws them out. You sit in, the, in, in it and it goes all the way to the floor, but that's okay. Camouflage everywhere. Camouflage over the windows. You, you, you walk through the door and you got to spread out the camo to get through the door. You get the picture? We call our class the camo class. We still have the camo class. And we came up with this acronym for camo, calling all men out. We have some rules in the camo class. Ladies, I hate to tell you this, no, no women allowed. See, ladies, what happens, in, in, and I know you probably know this, but let me say, whenever a lady drops into a group of men, especially when those men are in the process of trying to talk about two things, relationship issues and spiritual issues, those men get locked, y'all. They go, they go in hibernation. We just clam up. We just don't talk. So we get the... We, we, we try to get the women out of the picture for just a little while. No women allowed. You come in there with a towel like I have this morning, we take a pair of a knife and cut it off and hang it in deer animals. And what is said here stays here, confidentiality. You see, what we created, what Marvin and I began to create was what I call a little incubator for change. What do you do with a premature baby? You put that baby in an incubator. What's so special about an incubator is that the environment is perfect. The oxygen level is perfect. The temperature is perfect. Everything is perfect so that baby can live and grow and survive. So many times what we do with men, we put them in the wrong incubator. We put them in an environment that they just feel very confined and constricted and not able to open up and talk and be themselves. 
And as a result, we're losing so many men in our churches. Those men in that camo class, they do, a, they do what they call it. They do a put on a supper for our men. They do it once a quarter. They don't do it every month because that comes around too often. They're busy. They call it men's Monday night mess. Guess what? They do it for men. They do it on a Monday night. And they do a messy meal. They have four recipes. They've been doing this for 15 years. One month, one quarter is steak and potatoes. Next quarter is Buford stew. Next quarter are ribs. And the next quarter is barbecue. Men's kind of food. And guess what? They don't do that supper at Riverland Hills Baptist Church at the location. They go down to a park area called Pine Island down by the lake. Picnic area down by the lake. Why? Why do they go there and not at the church where we got all the good stuff, the way to cook up there and all that? Why do they go down by the lake? Where would you rather eat, men? Where would you rather eat a 16-ounce grill-to-perfection ribeye steak on a grill? In the fellowship hall or down by the lake? Give me the lake because I can be myself down there. I can relax. I can laugh. I don't have to put on any airs. Got a chance for some sharpening to take place down by the lake. Environment, climate, atmosphere for men. So that's what the camo class does. They're meeting probably right now. Sometimes they even try to call me. When they know I'm out preaching somebody, they'll try to call me and mess me up while I'm preaching. (laughs) My phone will stop buzzing. That's why I got it on silent. April the 9th of 2000 was a beautiful spring morning in Sumter, South Carolina. My good friend Dale Bullard and his wife Patty, matter of fact, Patty is from Camden. Her name was Patty Schuler. She married Dale Bullard. Dale Bullard and I grew up together. Dale was minister of education at my home church, First Baptist Church Sumter. On April the 9th of 2000, Dale Bullard and his wife Patty parked their car in the church parking lot at First Baptist Church Sumter. They were walking across the church parking lot. Dale was a, was a, was a, was a uh, Sunday school director, and they got there a little bit early. And while they were walking across that church parking lot in Sumter that Sunday morning, it was a Sunday morning, April the 9th, a beautiful Sunday morning, just like some of the, some of the days we've had recently. But it was in the spring. Birds were chirping. Flowers were bursting out. Beautiful Sunday morning. While Dale and Patty were walking across the church parking lot that day, a man in a truck was coming down the street. He lost control of his truck, and he got up into the church parking lot. And he hit my buddy Dale. Missed his wife Patty by inches. He knocked Dale across the church parking lot. Patty, being a nurse, rushed over to him, tried to take care of him the best she could. He was unconscious and bleeding profusely. They called in a helicopter and airbagged Dale to Richmond Hospital that day. On the way to the hospital, Dale died. When the doctors and the nurses began to pull all of Dale's personal belongings together to give to Patty, they got to his wallet. And they found in his wallet a little laminated card similar to the one that I carry in my wallet today. 
This is what it said on that little card. It said, Dale's purpose in life. You got a purpose in life? It says, my purpose for living is to be properly prepared to die. And to be properly prepared to die, I must magnify, proclaim, and live out Christ before the world. Dale had it right. He was properly prepared because, see, Jesus Christ prepares you and me for eternity. And only him. Not your parents. Not your good works. But Jesus. Dale had it right. Are you properly prepared to face eternity? And men, are you properly preparing another man to face eternity. And the way you do that, you get up next to him. You get to know him. You get to know that old boy like Cliff. You rub shoulders with him. You get in some kind of conversations with him. You begin to let spiritual sparks fly. And next thing you know, he's coming to Christ. He's growing in Christ like a baby does in that incubator. And he's properly prepared to face eternity. Father, I want to thank you for our time today. I thank you for the opportunity just to share your message about sharpening, sharpening men so that together as an army, Father, we can go out and create little venues and opportunity, opportunities whereby men can come together, gather together in relaxed, welcoming environments where spiritual sparks can start to fly where men can come to Christ and grow in Christ and be properly prepared to face eternity because of the relationship with you and only you. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this this morning is I Surrender All. I Surrender All. If you want to trust in Christ, if you don't feel like you're properly prepared for eternity, you come down and indicate that. We'll talk to you about that how that can happen. Otherwise, make a commitment, men, to try to rub up next to somebody. Create that venue in that environment to properly prepare somebody to face eternity. Thank you.